Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm from the palatial Supertalk Mississippi studios at the world headquarters at Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, other side of the glass, that guy's Michael Borky. He presses buttons and spins records and does all the things that it takes to make this thing happen on an every single day kind of basis. Across from me, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, glad to have you along as well. That was a collective you, not necessarily to you two in particular. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online, mslandbank.com, where they know the lay of the land. Land financing is what you need, and you're in North Mississippi, the Mississippi Land Bank is the way to go. That's what they do. They've been financing land and things that go with it for over 100 years now. You can find a branch location in North Mississippi near you on the website. You can also give them a call at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Hey, Dad, I'm convinced that the first two words out of your mouth today are going to be... Hey there. Nope, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. We were not. We weren't. With your Saints shirt, I thought it was going to be a Hudak kind of day to start things off. No, not today. Not today. You were making random friends at lunch today based on the fact that you were wearing a Saints shirt. It's it's the the capital city. It's 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 on fire for for Mississippi State right now. I like it. Hey, uh, Michael wants you to get more into the mic. Michael, what is wrong with you in there? You're already grumpy at me. I don't feel like I'm talking. I can barely hear myself. He's not grumpy. He's trying to make you sound better. Or sound at all. I guess. I'm telling you, I can't hear myself. So, a bit of a celebrity, uh, Brian Haydad. We're walking into lunch today. Michael had gone in front of us just a little bit and had already gotten a table. So, uh, there were five of us. We're walking in and a random guy, all dooted up in the parking lot, goes, Hey, Dad. That's right. And uh, Brian goes, "Uh, yeah, hey. They kind of introduced himself. Hey, Dad was a little standoffish right up until the point I was not standoffish. Well, you were very not interested in having any kind of a conversation until not... he brought up the Saints. He's like, hey, I like your shirt. I'm this... going this weekend. And you were like, I hate you. I'm jealous. I am jealous. But that's inaccurate. I was, I was very nice to that were guy. Were you? Yeah. Okay. I try to be... Look, man, I take it. I don't take it for granted that people know who the heck I am. That's really weird to me. So, yeah, anytime somebody speaks to me, I try to be as polite as I possibly can. Somebody bumped into Rippy also, but it was his kindergarten teacher, so we didn't really make that big of a deal. I haven't seen her in, like, what, two, three years? So I'm trying to think how many years it's actually been since I've been in kindergarten. I'm trying to make y'all feel old. <laughs> yeah, not that many 15, is the answer, 16, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, the, 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 we're being real It was here. in the 90s, you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, good times today. Good to have everybody uh, in studio. Last night, we talked a lot about hoops coming up. Um, and now it's hoops in the rearview mirror. Let's start in Starkville. That was the early game. That was the must 
what? How did you phrase it yesterday, Borky? It wasn't must win. It was a need to win. a really need to win game for Mississippi State last night. Yeah. And they did just that. Yeah, I don't know if you can have must win on January the fifteenth, but yeah. you can get as close. That was as close as you can possibly get last night. Well, and you were throwing around the idea of must win for Mississippi yeah. State going into the Ole Miss game. Yeah, and they didn't. And so it turned. It, it, it turned into as close as you can get without saying the words must win. Because it's not like the season would have been over, but. State found a way to win. You know they had to gr- they had to grind it out. They had to take it all the way to the final whistle. But the Bull- Bulldogs got the win they really really needed. Yeah, they uh, they did. We'll dive into that matchup coming up in just a little bit. Rippy, you were at the Pavilion last night. Uh, I had absolutely no work responsibilities. All I was just uh, able to go with my wife. I walked uh, watched that game. Uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but the overarching thing that I came away from that game with was, good gosh, LSU's good. Good, very lengthy, and very athletic, and that's really what kind of bothered Ole Miss for most of the night. They couldn't couldn't get clean looks off, struggled to move the ball around the perimeter, and and really couldn't get anything going towards the rim. Like they struggled finishing at the rim, and yeah, LSU's good. I, I think Will Wade called their second half the best half they've played this year, and I think that was the first time they've really gotten invested in defending for an extended stretch, and you kind of saw how good they are going to be or can be when they do that. That was my main takeaway from it. Ole Miss didn't play very well, very sloppy, particularly in transition and with shot so, shot selection, excuse me, particularly in the second half. But, yeah, LSU's good when they want to be. C Spire text line is how you can be involved in the show this afternoon, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Richard and Wiggins says, I think Haydad would sound better if he was talking into the mic in the room next door. There is no mic in the room next door. I see well, what you're doing. Well, I kind of think that that was awfully perceptive at, of you. Hey, Borky, so a long time ago, Somebody in the radio business told me, never learn how to plug in anything. Don't even figure out how to turn a piece of equipment on. Don't learn where the wires go, because you know what happens when you learn where the wires go? Yeah, you have to set up equipment. People expect you to make stuff work. I'm curious if that's how Will Wade feels today. My team just showed me that they know how to plug in the wires. They know where the on-off switch is. And by golly, I'm about to demand defense out of them because good grief, if that team plays defense with the athletes that they've got, with the rim protectors they've got, and they're a tough out for everybody. Yeah, they play defense almost as well as the FBI finds wiretaps. Hey, somebody close that door. <laughs> hey dad you uh, you were you weren't ready for that hey dad oh god no what, but what are we doing seriously though that joking aside will wade being apparently on a wiretap talking about getting those players aside that is a super athletic basketball team they're legit for nba i think you guys may think i'm exaggerating here i think there are four legitimate NBA players on that team. Tremont Waters is an NBA point guard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nas Reed is an NBA, I mean, 6'10", 250, can handle it, can drive, and can shoot. Yeah. Despite not having a great game last night. And then the other two big guys, number 11 and number 24. Rippy, who were those guys? One of them was the, the freshman with the hyphenated last name. 
Big Big B Williams, Carvel yeah. Big B Williams, and he was the one that really affected the game. Holy cow! I mean, he he. I mean, Terrence Davis said it after the game. I mean, they they felt his presence down low, particularly, and I would imagine the other guards felt that way too. He was he was a monster. He he probably single aside from scoring, he probably single handedly changed that game as much as anybody. Oh, was he six eleven? Um, taller than me, I, I think. I think. That, I think. It, I think it lists him at six ten officially. I could be wrong about 6'11", that. 6'11", 250. Hey guys, see the tripod over there. Also <laughs> taller than. <laughs> so, oh That's goodness! Nice. Oh goodness! Uh, it might be kind of one of those days. What else are we going to get into this afternoon? Could the NCAA be about to get a black eye? Well, the legal system is about to have a black eye. How so? Because in the Todd McNair case, so a judge threw out the ruling against Todd McNair that was in favor of the NCAA. Yeah. Because the jury foreman that ruled in favor of the NCAA actually did legal work with the NCAA on this case. That's not not legal? And he was somehow on the jury for the case that he did legal work on. The judge ruled that the jury foreman, an attorney whose firm did appellate work for the NCAA, in this case years earlier, should have been disqualified. Words from the judge, permitting juror number two to remain on the jury and participate in deliberations in the verdict, resulted in a miscarriage of justice and in plaintiff being deprived of a fair trial. Miscarriage of justice. Without juror number two, it is likely a different outcome would have resulted. If you're Todd McNair, though, I mean, okay, this feels kind of like justice, and I assume he's going to continue to fight. Is there a let's say that at some point Todd McNair actually wins? He wins monetary damage from the NCAA for defamation, costing him the ability to earn a living. That's basically what he's suing for, right? Is there a judge that is going to look and go? Okay, now hold on for a second. I'm finding in favor of Mr. McNair, or the jury did. And we're going to award him damages. And you know what else we're going to do? We're going to award him every single penny that he has spent in legal fees over the last decade fighting this case. Because guess what? Mr. McNair doesn't have an army of lawyers on staff. And CBS doesn't pay Mr. McNair... $970 million a year. So, yeah. We find in favor of Mr. McNair. And, oh, by the way, pay him. The the LA Times story already says the NCAA is expected to appeal the ruling. Of course. The NCAA is this big non-profit deal. It's no different than any other great big freaking corporate entity whose only real mission with the legal system, it's not to get something right or wrong. It's just to extend. They don't care. They don't care what it costs. They've got lawyers on staff. We're going to bleed you to death until you cannot fight anymore. You may or may not win, but we'll get a pound of flesh. Right? It's a big part of it. We're just getting started with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's roll. Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy. Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. 
We are uh, four weeks and uh, two days in the start of the college baseball season. Woo! Just in case you happen to be keeping track at home. Um, I know there are all kinds of pictures floating around. My buddy uh, Tom Hart, who did the game last night, got a, a tour of Duty Noble. Mm-hmm. And I had not seen anybody like stand on the balcony of the condos in left field yeah. and kind of take a picture back into the stadium. Right. Hello. Yeah. The statues look like they're going up pretty soon, too. So I don't care about a statue. What, what do one of those condos cost? Uh, cool quarter mil. How long? For a year? Uh, uh, or does that get you like a 10-year deal? I, I think or it's more than a five-year deal? I, I, th- I think it's a, f- a five-year deal, but I could be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just for the year, hell. You can't live there though. You can only come. You can only come to the games. But you can fifty k to to basically be in the worst seats in the house for a season. Yeah, but you got a, you got your whole condo right there behind you. So you know. Yeah. But you can't stay there. You can't. Yeah. They they, they well, can't. You can't, you're not allowed to live there. No. No. But but if you come into town for a weekend, you can sleep. You can there. sleep there, but you can't be there. Basically, I don't think you can be there when the stadium's not open. So so Rippy when. Well, no, that's not true because you can use them during football season. I guess you're right. I have to look more but, into it. But the deal is this: it's it, Rippy. So when you make your millions and your oldest child goes to Mississippi State, and you decide that you're a huge Mississippi State baseball fan, and you buy one of these condos for a quarter million dollars, or rent it, lease it, whatever, your kid can't live in it while they're in school at Mississippi State. Right. I mean, that's the reason the that's rules. That's the in main place. thing there is they don't want students living in the baseball stadium. Yeah. That makes sense. I'll, I just I could be Warren Buffett, and if I'm buying a condo, I can't sleep in when I want. Probably raising an eyeball. Yeah, of course. If you're Warren but Buffett, I, I get that. I, I get that because people. I get the loophole. Like that makes perfect sense. They don't want students. But I mean, if you're worth eighty-seven billion dollars, you probably say, "Look, you know, I'm just going to pay for the whole stadium project." Yeah, and I'll stay in that whenever I darn well please. And if I got a kid <laughs> that wants to live there and wants to have uh, midnight parties every night of the school year, they will. I could see how the school would be concerned with that, though. That would feel like that would end very poorly. Yeah. You write a $50 million check for the whole thing. Do they let it slide, though? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 100%. How, no questions asked. How quickly can that happen? Yeah. No questions asked. Uh, so last night in Starkville, I don't think there was anybody spending the night in the condos at the baseball stadium. Uh, what are those called? The lofts? Lo- the lofts. And real quick, you were right. 50000 a year for a minimum commitment of five years. So two hundred fifty k gets you five years. And a monthly service and maintenance fee. Well, yeah. I guess if you can afford that, the service fee is probably not a big deal. Um, just trying to think how you break that down and justify it. There's not a hundred percent justification there. I, I mean, if that, if you have that kind of money, there you, you can justify anything because I just wanted it. I mean, if I got 250k to throw at a, how, how big are they? I'm not gonna pull it. Twelve hundred square feet each. Let's see here. Approximately a thousand square feet with two bedrooms, two baths, a kitchen, and a common area. I mean, in New York City, that's not bad. Yeah, six grand a month well, for it's a the thousand Carnegie square Hall feet. Of college baseball. And we'll, we'll, we'll play with that theme. Yeah, it's quite the stretch. It is. It's quite the uh, quite the stretch. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, fascinating stuff, and uh, it's gonna be cool to uh, watch that when it all uh, all rolls out. So what about hoops last night? What was your takeaway? My first takeaway is that Florida is not good. 
That is the first thing that we will take away from that game. Uh, they are they are a bad shooting team, and they're not good enough defensively to, to come up come up with it. They're they're good defensively. They're not good enough defensively against good teams. But that said, I thought Mississippi State. Uh, they shot the ball really well. Shot fifty three, almost fifty four percent, fifty nine percent from behind the arc. Uh, they out rebounded Florida by one, despite most of the game Florida was ahead in that. Um, the game would not have been as close as it was if State gives up twelve offensive rebounds and they turn the ball over fifteen times. So they gave Florida a lot of extra possessions. Um, but that said, you know, State was down, I want to say three, and went on a ten two run to close it out, basically. So. They they or State was down five. I'm sorry, and that's what a good team does, right? They close games out at home when when they're behind. They find a way to win. Quindary Weatherspoon, fifth time in his career, he hits a a game winning shot as the in the last ten seconds of a game. Uh, Lamar Peters was hot in the first half. I thought Tyson Carter shot the ball well, and Eric Holman coming off the bench was a was an interesting move. Ben Howland said it was just a matchup thing. He liked Robert Woodard's uh, frame against Florida's Florida's uh, starting five. Don't expect it to come happen again. But that said, I thought Woodard played with great energy. And if you go back a season ago, when State got hot in the middle, oh, of, let me let me interrupt for a second. Yeah. Okay, he can give me the justification for why. Okay. But was that not you just got a questionable offensive foul on one end, and they turn around and give a quick questionable offensive foul on the other end. That's got makeup call written all over it. There's no way on the planet I should have only played him one minute in the second half of that game. Yeah. I'm going to put him in starting lineup. I don't, I don't know if that – I mean, that's because that's a big overreaction to put him in the starting lineup. Uh, but, I mean, if that's the case, it, it worked out for MSU because in the first half, Woodard gave him a lot of, of big moments. Uh, and, and when he plays, he, he raises the energy level for MSU. So does Perry. The freshmen do that for Mississippi State. But Holman was good off the bench. He had 10 points. He played well. And uh, we'll see, you know, see how that goes. Because, like I said, a year ago, Holman coming off the bench was sort of a, a, a change they made that gave him a little spark. Yeah. Um, but all in all, for State, you know, a pretty solid night. They had to have this win. You know, four of your next five are on the road if you're Mississippi State. That's tough. It's, it's tough no matter who you are. So, yeah. Four I mean, out of five. Yeah. Starting Saturday at Vandy, at Kentucky, Auburn at home, at Alabama, at Ole Miss. Ooh. That's a tough stretch. Yeah, it is. And you didn't need to be 0-3 coming into that. So uh, we'll see what happens this Saturday night at Vanderbilt. That's a team you should be able to beat. They play South Carolina tonight, so we'll get a they, – they would fall to 0-4 in the conference if they lose. That would be a – we've talked about South Carolina maybe being a bad loss, but they seem to have come around a little bit. Losing to Vanderbilt will be a bad loss for MSU. They need to win that game to get back to 500 in the conference, and, and you sort of go from there into the next week against Kentucky and Auburn, which are going to be tough games. Florida had four players scoring double figures. They were led by Kayvon Allen, who had uh, 17 points. The uh, freshman, Andrew Nimhard, who's a really good player. I-, I think he's probably the best player on that team. Uh, 13 points and eight assists in the game last night in 37 minutes. Uh, Noah Locke, the freshman, but had... one of eight from three. Yeah, yeah that, that that's the thing. You'd love for him to get a little bit better in that part of the game. Um also, they had uh, what the other freshman um, Johnson score eleven points in the game. Keontae Johnson. So, you know, we, we had talked about Florida kind of coming in, and, and I told you that the, the young pieces on that team are pretty impressive. But Jalen Hudson, I mean, there you are again last night. Listen to this stat line: Jalen Hudson, guy that's you know he he is an all league caliber player. Don't play a lick of defense, but offensively he should be. In ten minutes last night, he gets three points. Takes eight shots, has three rebounds, assists, and a turnover. Yeah, he, he he's a 
He's a nothing burger right now for Florida. He's more than that. He's he's a, he's a negative. I mean, you're, you're yeah. one of eight. Shooting. Well, and 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 you're kind of teetering on the edge of some attitude issues. Yeah. Also, it's yeah. it's not good. Uh, Lamar Peters, sixteen points, six all in, assists all in the first half. Those sixteen points too. Really? Yeah. Was uh, on fire. Went on a personal eleven zero run that took State from down three to up eight in the uh, with about four minutes to go in the first half. Not used to seeing a night where Q Weatherspoon has nine points. No, no. He, I mean, he he didn't. I thought it was interesting that on a night where he had he didn't have a great night. I mean, he said nine points. He had three turnovers. Um, didn't just didn't play well, but at the end, he was the guy with the ball in his hand and he made the play to win the game. How does Abdullah do have only four points a game when he nearly rips the rim off the backboard on his first touch of the game? <laughs> he just he, he can't catch the ball down low. He just he just can't handle passes down low. He, he for him to catch a pass down low, he almost has to be. Back to the basket, looking at the guy passing him the ball. He has he has issues, and you saw it against Ole Miss that a couple times Peters found him on a drive with a great no look pass, and he just he just can't handle him for whatever reason. So Mississippi State wins at seventy one to sixty eight. They're now thirteen and three overall, one and two in the SEC. There were people who had already jumped off ledges. Thankfully, they had parachutes, and they put the parachutes in reverse. Yeah, or, or at least they're like just floating in neutral for now before uh, deciding whether or not to cut the cord. Um, Let's talk real for a second. We've watched this team, and I think, hey, Dad, you, you and I, to a certain degree, look at this team and go, it's a talented group. It's an experienced group. Uh, it's a group that you, you feel like is is a postseason team. And they're in a you, – you said a second ago, Florida's bad. Yeah. I mean, that was your observation. And that was an absolute fight all the way to the end to get a three-point win at home. Now – for a team that's searching for confidence. Right. Is Mississippi State going to be anything different than a 500-ish team in league play? We'll find out Saturday night, I think, because I think this game, if they're going to get any momentum and they're going to get right mentally, this game will be the spark of that. Hmm. One other thing, real quick before we go, I don't know if you heard this, Q Weatherspoon from the Saturday game said he thought State was up, was down three. That's why he took that three late, early in the shot clock. He did not realize that State was only down two. Appreciate the explanation. Yeah. It's not a good enough explanation. No, not for You're a senior. senior. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, Renaissance Bank Studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Talk Mississippi Wednesday afternoon. Talk a little bit about Mississippi State's game last night. We'll dive a little bit later this afternoon again into kind of what this means going forward. Does it mean anything? Can you carry confidence one game to another? Uh, or is that whole idea kind of overblown? Well, same questions will surround Ole Miss in their first SEC loss of the year. Uh, Ole Miss last night hosting LSU. Uh, Rebels came in ranked 18th in the AP poll, LSU not ranked. I don't think that's going to be the case for much longer. Um, was looking at the net earlier uh, this afternoon. The jump that LSU made last night, they go from 25 to 16 in the net rankings, and Ole Miss falls from, what was it, from 28, 
I'm sorry, from 23 to 28. Uh, so LSU goes one direction, Ole Miss goes the other direction after the uh, the ball game last night. 83-69, the final, a 14-point win for LSU on a night where Ole Miss was favored by, was it three and a half? Opened at five, I believe, and then three and a half at tip. Well, regardless, uh, LSU co- uh, covers with ease. That's the second time that Ole Miss this year has not covered the spread. So the makeup of this LSU lineup, I, I threw this out there earlier. Hey, Dad, were you able to watch much of the game last night? The Ole Miss game? Yeah. I wasn't able to watch any of it. Okay, so you didn't see any of it. No. Forgive me if you think that this is an overreaction or is laced with hyperbole. Rippy, you were there. Borky, you watched it, right? Okay, so I'm I'm curious to to hear what you think about this. I'm, I'm not trying to be at all a hot take guy. When I tell you I think LSU matches up with everybody that they will play the rest of the year, I am 100% including Tennessee, who I think is the best team in the SEC. But I think LSU is the most talented in the SEC. Crazy or no? Your argument can be supported by what you watch on the court. Hold on, hey Dad. You didn't have you watched LSU play? I haven't seen much of LSU this year. So I mean, I know they've recruited well. I know they have talent. Um, so I have to. I mean, I have to pay a little closer attention to them. I was just thoroughly impressed with their ability to disrupt Ole Miss's guards. I know Schuler's hurt, but usually when Ole Miss plays a game, their guards will be as good, if not better, than their opponent across the board. All all three of them versus their three opponents' guards most of the time. Athletically, at least, they can hold their own. LSU's ability to guard the perimeter and defend Ole Miss's guards and disrupt just the general flow of their offense, I wasn't expecting it to look like that. What do you think, Ribby? Are you saying most talented in the conference or more talented than Tennessee? Uh, I think LSU is the most talented team in the SEC. There's probably an argument to be made for that, but that's Tennessee's shtick, right? Like they weren't. Right. What was right. the stat Borky had the other day about them being top 100 guys or lack thereof? Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't have any. Right. I mean, I, I think that speaks for itself. Then, so yeah, I'm, I'm not saying best team in the conference. I, I'm a, yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting when they when those two play. If LSU defends like it did last night, what that game will look like? Right now, when I look at Tennessee, LSU's the only team that I go, you know what, that's a team that really, really can give Tennessee some problems. Um, And I I realize I'm leaving Kentucky out when I say that. I, I mean, I get that completely. I just don't know that Kentucky can can, uh, can defend Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and Kyle Williams and Jordan Bowden and or Bowden and Lamonte Turner. It just kind of keep coming at you. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm really skewed by watching one team because I didn't think either Ole Miss or LSU played very well in the uh, in the first half of that game. I, I was kind of sitting in my seat and I was going. It was tied at the half, right? Yeah, yeah, it was thirty-one, thirty-one at the half. LSU outscored Ole Miss fifty-two to thirty-eight in the second half. I sat there in my seat and I thought, okay, if you're doing like the good news, bad news thing, 
if you're looking at it from the Ole Miss perspective, you go, well, the good news is Tremont Waters scored five points and Nas Reed was held scoreless in the second in the first half. Bad news is that ain't happening in an entire game. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd say the other way around. I mean, if you're LSU, you go. The good news is we kind of held Ole Miss in check. The bad news. Probably not going to do that for an entire game. Well, they were able to do that. In fact, LSU was better defensively in the second half than they were in the first half. Um, to to me though, the player that that stands out head and shoulders and and, and Nas Reed, I think for LSU is a freak. You're not supposed to be able to do. What? When did we hit? When did we hit this point? What? When did it become regular? To see 6'10", 250, plus, with the athletic ability that we're seeing on a regular basis. It's been in the last few years. I mean, Nas Reed's 6'10", 250. He can handle it. can jump out of the gym. He's got a beautiful shot. Zion Williamson at Duke, 6'10", right? 6'9", 6'10"? Mm-hmm. I thought he was a little bit shorter. Okay, maybe. And Bayheim said on Dan Patrick's show that he's 6'5". Well, however, whatever. But he's 280 pounds. Ish. We'll call, let's, call, let's split the difference. Let's call him 6'7", 280. I heard somebody yesterday described him as a, as a heavier Dominique Wilkins. Yeah, that's wow. That's high praise. Well, I mean, that, from an explosiveness standpoint yeah. on the college basketball. And it was a Georgia guy that said that. Um. I mean, LeBron obviously is pretty freakish. What is he, 6'9", 260? 6'8", but a little bit skinnier than that, I think. Yeah, like 240. Okay. But still, I mean, he he plays every position on the floor and is better than everybody at every position on the floor. Yeah. I still have trouble wrapping my mind around how you can be that size and have that level of athletic ability. Because you think, like, you know, ten years ago, somebody like Nasri would have been a strict back to the basket. Yes, yeah. Know, the game requires them to be different. Yeah, the game has changed, and the athlete. Okay, does has, the, has game the game re- change, or the athletes change the game? Well, if you really want to start at where this root of this all came, it's where Golden State plays basketball in the way they do. Like you, you, but you, it's got to be longer than that because Golden State's run hasn't been long enough. They've made it to where if you can't shoot, though, you can't make a meaningful impact on the game and late in the game. Yeah. you know, If you don't have some semblance of a jump shot. Yeah. Um, well, and... I mean, yes, the NBA game has changed. And do you think kids that are growing up... Let's say freshman, sophomore, college basketball players right now, Okay. What do they watch growing up? Do they watch college basketball or do they watch the NBA? The NBA. No question? No question about that. Zero. Okay. So what game are they watching? They're watching the NBA. Yeah. And they're playing in the AAU leagues. Mm. So you got a great challenge in teaching kids to play defense and everybody's shooting. Nobody, there's not an AAU coach in the country that's te- teaching back-to-the-back basket skills and footwork drills to big men. No. You're 6'10". Man, you see KD, he can shoot it. Yeah, stretch you better the go floor. learn how to shoot it. Stretch the floor. Get your guy out of the paint. Yeah. 
And you still have those kind of bigs. Like Carl Anthony Towns can still play that way. He can. So but can he Do- can I mean, Dominic Olenicek, is that, is that your model now? <laughs> <laughs> but but Cat can still step back and, and shoot a three. That's Yes. You still have Shaq those. Shaq couldn't. Guys. No. No. Could barely shoot a free throw, let alone a three. Well, I understand that. Um, but but even if you look across the SEC, I mean, you got a bunch of dudes that can do this that are that are six nine plus. Holman from Mississippi State, not 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 the same frame, but at six nine six ten, is as good a three point shooter as there is in the conference. Yeah, he, he certainly has as pretty a shot as anybody you'll find. All right, so Rippy, going forward for Ole Miss, what does uh, what does last night mean? You, you've talked about the fact that they. They gave themselves some margin for error. How much margin for error is there now going into a game where they host Arkansas on Saturday? Well, on its surface as a team, a pretty decent bit, but you don't, like we've talked about earlier in the week, you don't want to turn it into you know three out of four, four out of six, things like that. But it'll be a big problem if they don't have Devontae Shuler, particularly for an extended period of time. Because that puts Bree and Tyree on the ball, that makes your rotation even thinner. Like he was probably the most irreplaceable player they had on the team, and so now his status is, seems somewhat in question. So that all of that really remains to be seen. Ole Miss played nine players in the game last night. DC Davis got eight minutes. Luis Rodriguez got three minutes. That's not really what you want. It's the other seven guys that are getting the bulk of the minutes. Schuler played 31 minutes in the game reportedly with a stress fracture in his foot. question is whether or not they're going to have to shut him down for a little while. I think the game against Arkansas this week on Saturday is really, really important. I know you're sitting there at 3-1, and one, but with a trip to Florida on the horizon, you got to beat Arkansas at home. Mississippi streaming online, supertalk.fm. Brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank Online. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Good to have you along this afternoon in studio. Michael Borky on the other side of the glass. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. I'm Richard Cross. And right now on the Farm Bureau phone line, another Richard. One that's far more successful, especially on the basketball court as a coach, than me. Richard Williams. He's currently the color analyst on the Mississippi State Radio Network. Had a courtside seat for a win in SEC play last night. Kind of kind of just what the doctor ordered, right, Coach? Yeah, the Bulldogs needed that one, Richard, for sure. You know, started out 0-2, and one of those was a home loss. Uh, so um, it was a, a sorely needed win. I mean, particularly you think about uh, the next three games, Bulldogs were on the road to Vanderbilt, then on the road to Kentucky, and then Auburn coming back into Humphrey Coliseum next week. So I uh, didn't want to start out 0-3 for sure. How is it, Richard, that on the first touch he gets in the ball game, Abdullah Dew nearly tears the rim off the backboard, and then he only makes one more bucket the entire rest of the game? Well, I, I don't know. if I think I said it on your show or maybe something the other day. They don't throw him the ball. You know, it's hard to score when you don't have the ball. And yeah. And, uh, you know, he'll get posted up some, and the perimeter players just don't do a very good job feeding the post. Uh, a couple of times last night, Reggie Perry uh, had his man posted and uh, didn't get the ball. Uh, but, but the Bulldogs' offense is basically built around 
of the perimeter play. You know, they're an excellent three-point shooting team. Actually shot 59% from the three-point line last night. And so they're more uh, in tune to uh, perimeter shots than they are feeding the post. Now, uh, Abdul is not a great low-post player. He's somewhat mechanical in his moves. He's improved tremendously from last year, and he's a much better free-throw shooter than he was last year. Uh, but, but he tends sometimes to, when he does get the ball and he'll turn the face, he brings the ball down and he gets it stripped and he turns it over. So, you know, sometimes they just don't throw it in there to him. And, uh, you know, sometimes on the screen and roll situations, and I think that's what happened on the first possession last night, it was a screen and roll type situation, and, and he rolls and he's wide open. And when he catches it like that, uh, because of his athletic ability and his length, he can go up and slam it. But he's not a, a finished product for sure in the low post yet, so the offense is not built around feeding the low post player. Let me ask you about one more guy individually, Eric Coleman, who comes off the bench last night, plays 23 minutes. Is he getting enough shots? Well, last night he didn't. You know, he got six shots last night. I don't think he scored a point in the first half, uh, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. So I got the first half. No, he, didn't. He, had, he had two shots in the first half last night and didn't score. But the deal last night was Florida plays a four-guard offense. Right. And in, in the past few games, Coach, uh, Coach Howland has really been adamant about the fact that Eric struggles to get out and guard perimeter for him. What people now call these stretch fours or undersized foreman that can really shoot it from the perimeter. And he, he struggled a little bit to get out on those guys. And as Coach Allen likes to say, run them off the three-point line. In other words, make them dribble the ball into their shot. And so because of Florida's four-guard lineup, he decided to start Robert Woodard, who was more of a perimeter player uh, than Eric Coleman. But in the second half, Eric did get uh, four shots, made all four of them. But if you look at shooting percentages, uh, you, you'd think, no, he's not getting enough shots. I mean, he's 44% per year from the three-point line. Uh, and that's that's the best on the Bulldog team behind Nick Wellerspoon, but now Eric's taken a lot more than Nick has. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, but I don't think the Bulldogs going into games with the idea we're going to get this guy X number of shots and that guy X number of shots. I think they basically take what the defense gives them uh, in their offense, uh, and, and whoever gets the open shot, uh, I think that those guys take it. And then the other thing is uh, you have the ball dominated so much by Lamar Peters and Quindary Weatherspoon, uh, sometimes it's harder for those other guys to get their shots. Coach Brian Haydad here. You mentioned Robert Woodard, and, and the thing I've noticed watching him play is the energy he brings. He seems to bring another level of intensity uh, to the lineup when, when he's out there. How big a role can he play down the stretch for this team? Well, I think that depends on the minutes he gets, Brian. Uh, he, he's really good freshman, and you know I'm not sure a lot of people know just how talented Robert is because – uh, he, he doesn't get a great deal of minutes because he plays behind Eric Holman at the four. Reggie Perry also gets minutes at the four. And then he plays behind Quindary Weatherspoon at the three spot. So sometimes it's hard for him to get uh, quality minutes in the game. But uh, I think if, if he gets minutes, he's going to be productive. Now, that might not necessarily be in scoring a bundle of points. Uh, you know, last night he had a big block shot. He had a couple of assists. Uh, he made a shot. Uh, but the, the thing he brings, I think, uh, and I agree with you, he brings a physicalness to his play. He's an excellent offensive rebounder for a young guy. Of course, he's got the body. You know, he, he, he and Reggie Perry both are just so physically developed for freshmen, and he's not afraid of contact. So I think it just depends on the minutes he's able to get 
the rest of the season. If Coach Allen continues to play quality minutes, I think you'll see quality play out of Robert. Richard Williams on your radio on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Kind of curious your observations of Florida. I mean, they, they, they got two guys that should be all-world scorers. Kayvon Allen's kind of come out of his slump a little bit. Jalen Hudson, I mean, only three points. I mean, this is a guy that was a really good player a year or two ago. It seems like the freshmen for Florida are pretty good. What's going on with the dynamic on this Florida team, though? Well, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I know the freshman, the freshman point guard uh, uh, is really good, the kid yeah. from Canada. Yeah, he's really good and, and controls the ball. Uh, but Jalen Hudson, you mentioned, who's a senior, has been a really good player. He's shooting 22% this year from three-point yeah. line. Uh, you know, and that's just, I don't know what it is, whether it's a lack of confidence or what. Uh, Allen is, is playing good, but not great. He, you know, Florida's leading scorer is Allen at 11 points a game, a little over 11 points a game. The Noah Locke freshmen are second-leading scorer at a little over 10 points a game. But the pace at which they play, they're not going to score a lot of points. Uh, they, they get in at 1-2-2. Two, two, three-quarter court or half-court press. They're not really trying to turn you over unless you dribble the ball right up to the mid-court line and take one step across the mid-court line and pick your dribble up. Then they'll trap you there and try to turn you over. Otherwise, they're just trying to slow down the pace of the game. They want you to take almost 10 seconds to get it across the timeline, and then you reset your offense. And now you only have like 20 seconds or less to run your offense. So they're trying to dictate pace of play. Uh, But I, I talked this morning with a friend of mine who actually was an assistant at Florida for the past couple of years. He's, he's no longer there. And, and my, my officer, he asked me what an outsider's observation was. I said, it looks to me like a team that doesn't shoot it very well. They try to slow the game down and shoot so many three-pointers and hope they make just enough three-pointers to come out on the, the, uh, the upper end of the score. And, and, and he replied back that he knows all those guys. He doesn't think they're quite athletic enough to create their own shots they don't have a real low post score, uh, kind of like Mississippi State, and so uh, you know they just hoist up a lot of three pointers, trying to hope uh, that they make enough of them. Richard Williams on your radio. Mississippi State gets a win, seventy-one sixty-eight last night. I got to ask you about this. I don't know how much you've had a chance to watch LSU this year. I, I saw them in person for the first time last night. I, I know your buddy John Brady sees them every single game. I, I came away blown away with the talent level on that LSU team. I, I don't know if, if they're going to be defensively what they need to be night in, night out. If they play the way they did in the second half last night, that's a scary proposition for everybody. Have you seen LSU enough to kind of form an opinion on them? I've seen a little bit of them, and I, I got back uh, last night in time to watch the second half of that game, and I agree Ooh. with you. They have, they have scary talent. Of course, Tremont Waters, we, we already knew about him, yeah. or the point guard, how good he is, although he can be inconsistent because – uh, he's one of those guys, I don't think he has a conscience now. He'll shoot it, and it doesn't matter if he misses or makes it. He's he, he's a little bit like Lamar Peters. You know, missing a shot doesn't bother either one of them. <laughs> uh, but he, he's extremely talented. But this Naz Reed, and then the, the, the guy that I was really impressed with last night, didn't score a lot. I think his name is Williams, the the, uh, the big guy inside. But what is he, 6'9", six, 6'10", six, something like that? Boy, what was that, that number 11 or number 24? I think Big B. Williams or something like that. I'm not sure yeah. what his number was. Yeah. But the guy that I think is really a key to their team is a veteran player, Skylar Mays. Uh, he's been on the team. He's from right there at University High in Baton Rouge. He's not as athletic as some of the other guys. He's just a good, solid basketball player who's able to make 
open jump shots, and when Tremont uh, uh, Waters is penetrating, he finds him open in that. I've noticed the left corner. If you leave him open in that left corner, he's going to make that shot. But yep. they are supremely talented uh, and, and young. That, that's going to be part of the issue. They're, I think they'll be inconsistent because of their youth. Uh, but I tell you what, if they, I'm like you. If they continue to, to defend and rebound and take just decent shots, because you know, they can go get it off the glass, they're, they're going to be a scary proposition for anybody. Richard, always appreciate your time. Next time we talk, if, if I don't ask you about it, say, hey, you told me you were going to ask me. I want to talk about Tennessee and, and kind of the assembly okay. of talent that they've got and what Rick Barnes has been able to kind of do and maybe some stories that you've got about him. Uh, we'll do a, it. I'm impressed with Tennessee, I'll be honest with you. I think Rick's an old-school coach. He coached some old-school, and I like watching him play. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about them next time, uh, in addition, of course, to Mississippi State. Thanks for your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. That is Richard Williams, Mississippi State Radio Network color analyst, former head coach of the Bulldogs to that 1996 Final Four, the only one in school history. Coach Williams joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. More coming up after this in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Appreciate Richard Williams joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Again, check out the website, favorites.com. See, I'll do that right here while we're sitting here talking. You just type it in. It's easy. F-A-V-E-R-A-T-S dot com. And you get this little window that says type in your zip code right here. There's not a whole lot there. So I type in my zip code, Oxford 38655. Click on get a quote. And it takes you to another screen quickly. And uh, it gives you the option of getting a quote on auto insurance. It also gives you the option of getting a quote on property insurance, or you can pick the box in the middle that says bundle and save. So you get your auto and your property, you get a multi-line discount, and guess what? There's a button that you can click on that says, I'd like a local agent to help me. And so it takes you to the local agents in your hometown, in your county, and it doesn't matter which of the 82 counties of Mississippi you live in, there's a local agent where you live mississippi farm bureau that's when they say go with the home team cross haydad rippy and borky on this wednesday borky bring me up to speed on todd mcnair so pretty much what is going on now is Ooh. that no, I'm with you. No, I was oh, like going oh, sound oh. effects to go with this story. It's like, it's like, it's what it feels like. Whoops. I, I thought I said something I shouldn't have there. And I, I was uh, no. quickly recapping like, oh, I shoot. Should curse, I hit, did I? Should have hit the dump button over here and just completely <laughs> reset. No, I, I don't think Whoop. I have. I don't think I've said a foul word on air. Knock on wood. I'm yeah. sure it's, I'm sure it's still coming. But um, so a judge threw out the previous verdict against former Southern Cal coach Todd McNair. Right, let, let, let's hold on. Let's time out. Let's remind people who Todd McNair is. The former Southern Cal coach that uh, was given a one-year show cause mm-hmm. uh, back in 2006, if yep. I'm remembering yeah, correctly. Re- related. Well, I think it came down in 2010, but it goes, the relationship goes back farther, and it's related yeah. to the recruitment of, of Reggie Bush. Of Reggie Bush. And he sued the NCAA shortly after he received that show cause, but he did not get a verdict until I, I guess this was the summer of, of 2018, right? It was right before the football season uh, when this trial was going on. So this past summer? This past summer, okay. the, the the court there in California ruled in favor of the NCAA, and he sued them for defamation and, and uh, a punishment that uh, 
hindered his ability to get work and, and things of that nature. Well, a new judge has come in and thrown out that verdict partially because somebody that served on the jury, the jury foreman, was actually employed by a law firm that worked for the NCAA <laughs> on this exact case. All right, so... You know, I'm no lawyer, but that seems bad. Yeah, let, 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 let's play this out. Let's... Uh, Brian Haydad is a lawyer. All right. Brian Haydad's wife... Got my degree wife, Alabama, though. Brian Haydad, wherever... Brian Haydad's wife works for a company that is being sued. Brian Haydad's law firm has done work for Brian Haydad's wife's company. Brian Haydad is named jury foreman for the trial where Brian Haydad's wife's company is being sued. Did I do that right? Basically. All that works for me, to be totally honest. You know, you know who it doesn't luck, work luck for? Luck of the draw kind of thing. You know who it doesn't work for? Todd McNair? It doesn't work for the company that is suing Brian Haydad's wife's company. Yeah. Well. And it's, it Rippy, goes, your mom's a lawyer. Right? She, she wouldn't go for that, I'm assuming. I should have used you for an example. That would have been much better than Haydad. I, I'm no lawyer either. I, I didn't get those... I would, Whatever I, side of my brain that makes a good lawyer or her brain, I didn't inherit that. Okay. We should call. I have a friend here in Mississippi who's Mississippi Better Call Saul. If you need a criminal lawyer, we would call him for this. Okay. I'll I'll remember that. You should. Um, it goes. Beyond, how does this happen? But it goes beyond that. Okay. The, the judge even said that the original committee on infractions ruling was quote. False in several material ways. How about this? Seems like, this seems like a slight oversight to me. I don't know. Ju- Judge Schaller, uh, in addition to what you just said, said that the report was false in several material ways. And it has to do with Lloyd Lake, who is a sports marketer, uh, and that he told NCAA investigators um, about McNair trying to use inducements to get Bush. Basically, his testimony was a disaster for the NCAA. This guy, Lloyd Lake, it was like he couldn't put two sentences together and, and make them comprende with one another. Yeah, and here's... The- and, and, and so the NCAA said, well, we'll just kind of do what a good editor would do. We'll just add a little punctuation. We'll clean it up. We'll make it flow a little bit better. Listen to this. Schaller, the judge, said that the sloppy, quote, and botched, quote, interview of Lake by NCAA investigators um, calling the interview unprofessional, clearly not prepared, and mistaken as to basic facts. The judge's report said the answers made by Lake to interview questions were unclear and unresponsive to the point of being unreliable and lacking in any value. When the report was written, the actual and critical content of the questions and answers was changed and or recharacterized. Also improperly non-responsive and speculative responses by Lake were recorded as being true. This 
This is a judge, a federal judge, saying to you that the NCAA didn't get the information they needed from their star witness, so they just made it up. They manipulated quotes to get to their predetermined outcome in this case. Where have I heard that before? I saw that eye roll. I saw it over there, Rippy. Don't don't you do that. I mean, how my do you, God. But, but, hey, Dad, how do you look at the NCAA and not roll your eyes with regard to anything they do? I, I, I do roll my eyes. They are a useless... So why do you roll your eyes at Ole Miss people when they roll their eyes at them? Because that's what I get paid to do. Well, not exactly. Sort of. Um... Because just because an institution is poorly run and corrupt doesn't mean there aren't other poorly run, corrupt organizations out there. We'll put it that way. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but that's like a, it's like a backroom judge banging a gavel while wearing an orange jumpsuit. Like, yeah, it makes no sense. Y'all deserve each other. Well, the, the the question here for me though, with regard to the NCAA, is how do you continue to give this organization power if you're a member institution? And you, you look at the body of work from the NCAA. How do you continue to give them power? And that's the, that's the thing, right? The schools are the NCAA. The, everything that's happening, the schools are giving their permission to, for it to happen at the end of the day. It's impossible. They continue to give them power because it's so big, one school can't end it. Two schools can't end it. Ten schools can't end it. You get the right 10 schools, you can start pushing that pillar over. But if you're Alabama and who's has arguably the, the most powerful voice in the sport with Nick Saban, why would he touch it? They're winning titles. But the here's most the, powerful here's programs the, okay, aren't getting affected. Yeah, but, but this, is the, this is... I'm glad you said that. Because it's easy for us to go... I mean, you know, if Nick Saban said something, it would... It, it, this is so far beyond even the voice of Nick Saban. Here's the problem. This is a university president's thing. This is presidents and chancellors. This is Mark Keenum. You want to talk about a powerful voice in college athletics right now? The president of Mississippi State has a powerful voice in college athletics right now. But the Ole Miss Car- has an interim chancellor right now. The... The the uh, I'm not being disrespectful. I just don't remember his name. Father so and so at Notre Dame has a powerful voice in college athletics. But is there enough of them? Because wouldn't the counter be university presidents are more than likely in some cases not academics? I mean, Ole Miss just had one that had no business even speaking of anything to do with athletics. Yeah. So it's a bunch of guys that have no interest in the athletic side and just don't screw it up. You do your thing, I'll do mine. And they don't necessarily care about exposing these kind of things because they don't understand it or or care. No, I think I don't I don't believe that it's they don't understand it and I don't believe it is that they don't care. I believe it is a system that largely works and is largely extremely profitable for the schools who could change the system. 
And so, given those those things, probably in the mind of university presidents, outweigh the um, the idea of tipping over the apple cart. So you guys are like laughing at me, saying that I'm just now realizing that the NCAA is a sham. Yeah. It's not that I no. It's not that I'm I'm just now realizing it. It's Richard. This is not an optical illusion. I am actually this fat. Just so you know. I just realized that. I, mean, I am overweight. No, but your 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 thought process is spot on in that, though, because you have a bunch of people that tell you it's all about the kids and amateurism and student athletes and all that stuff. And when it's all about the money, it always has been. No, I, it always I, will. Yes, be. yes. So I'm that's a, why you're saying it's because you have these people, powerful people, smart people that lie constantly to keep up the sham that is just a money maker. Are we on the JT show or are we on Sports Talk Mississippi? Because you could be saying the same thing about anything. Anything that money is involved, the people who are making money will do anything to keep making money. I'm not naive I know. with regard to college athletics. I'm not naive with regard to recruiting and what goes on in recruiting. I'm not naive to the fact that money drives lots of things. I'm not. But what kind of sparked our conversation a moment ago was, you know, kind of thinking about the leaders of one of the schools in the state of Mississippi. I, I, I said, what did I say? First thing, we went to a commercial break. I said, Borky, we got to do an interview with Mark Keenum. I want to sit down with Mark Keenum and just talk one on one. Now, I'm. I understand Mark Keenum has been an unbelievably effective leader for Mississippi State. Absolutely. I would argue, and, and and I'm doing this without knowing the entire history of Mississippi State University, okay? And forgive me on that. But I would argue with what I've seen in the time that I've been following it, there's never been a more effective leader for an extended period of time at Mississippi State than Mark Keenum. You, you can make the argument for Dr. Zacharias back in the, in Donald the Zach, Dr. Nice. Donald Zacharias was fantastic, but 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 for, but Keen, Dr. Keenum has but, done a fantastic but, job. But here's the thing: I mean, he, he gets it all. Yeah. You know, wh- whether you like him or you think he's got a little bit of a shtick or whatever, Mark Keenum cares about academics and has really pushed on that front. Evidenced by Mississippi State finally getting a Phi Beta Kappa chapter. It's been a big, big deal for him. It's been a big initiative for him as leader at Mississippi State. He cares about athletics and has paved the way for the athletics directors to do their jobs and spend money and go for facilities, etc. And I think the most important part, and I'm talking to you, college board, with regard to the selection of the next chancellor at Ole Miss, is his ability to connect with donors and political leaders because if you want to get stuff done two things better be in play one you got to have money and two you better figure out how to play the political game and three you better have money so on all of those fronts I, I mean I give Mark Keenum absolutely the highest marks you can give a university president and because of all those things because of his success 
at Mississippi State and the respect that he has garnered among his peers, he's the president or the manager or whatever the title is of the college football playoff the the board of managers the university presidents that actually call the shots with regard to the college football playoff he's their guy but because he's effective at his job he knows how to answer questions in the right way and he knows how to spin and he knows how to give a politically correct answer and that's all you got after the college football playoff board meetings leading up to the championship game in Santa Clara but that's not on Dr. Keenum. No, Any, it's not. Anybody he, yeah, he's in that got, position yeah. is going to make the same. Anybody. Richard Cross in that position is going to go Wait, out there and say. Who was the chair of the, the playoff committee? Kirby Hocutt this year? Was no, it? the uh, Oregon. Oh, uh, yeah. Rob Mullins. Rob Mullins. Yeah. Man, Rob Mullins. I mean, what, a, what a thankless job to have to go out and justify the, 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 the decisions of an entire board, whether or not you were on board with the decisions or not. It's like a majority wins thing, and so you got to go out there and tote the company line. In that position, Mark Keenum has to do that. But here's here's what I want to know. So so the reason I say all the things that I say about Mark Keenum a second ago is I'm telling you he is a really, really smart guy. Oh yeah. So why is it that a university leader leader who has the best interests of an entire university, of its students, of its faculty, of its staff, of its fans, of its alumni, and of its student athletes, has their best interest at heart? How can you look at me square in the eyes and go, well, you know, the NCAA is really doing a lot of good things. Well, maybe they're doing a lot of good things, but they're also doing a lot of bad things. Why aren't you trying to fix them? Because you have the power to do so. You're one of the few people in all of college athletics, and this is not me. Pre- it's not an attack on Mark Keenum at all. I'm saying Mark Keenum is the example where we Ole Miss doesn't have a chancellor right now. Larry Sparks, fantastic guy, but he's an interim chancellor right now. He doesn't have the power or the experience or the tenure that Mark Keenum has. Mark Keenum has that voice. How can you look at what the NCAA is right now, which is a sham, and not say, we owe it to all of the stakeholders in college athletics and higher education to fix this? Because college athletics is the front porch to colleges and universities. But I, I think I made this comment on the show before. I don't know if you were here or not, but... For me, college athletics is like sausage. I don't really care about the process of getting to the game. All I care about is the game. That's all I care about. And you I, care about the game being fair? The game itself, the actual game on the field is fair. Mm, no, not it's not. even close. I disagree with both Look at the players. Uh, no, that, that, Look at the that's, players that's, that's and how the, the How many were you talking about? Like first players. and ten and we marked the ball two yeah. yards down the line, the so now is, it's second and eight? Fair. Well, of course that's fair, but that's not that that's going way too I, I micro. Don't have, I don't have a problem with, with the way college football is right now. There, so it, you don't have a problem with the fact that Mississippi State can't win a national championship no, no in problem football. whatsoever. Because you can enjoy college football. I mean, we were t- this, 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 this was on a message I mean, that, board. That was my tweet. On- this was a message board thing the other day. They said, you know, if you're an Alabama fan, how joyless is this? If you don't win every game by 40, you're angry. If you don't win the national title, it, it, was, it was a wasted season. And Mississippi State can go 10-2, and two and, and, we're, and State fans are thrilled. 10-2 eh, and two was a great year at Mississippi State. Go 10-2 and two in Alabama. How joyless would that be? You know, you gotta, you got you to obliterate everybody you, you play. you got a really short memory. Well, how furious you were after some games this year. But I'm saying, well, this because they didn't go ten and two, they went eight and five. They got ten. If they set team and finish eleven and two, I'd be on here, you know, skipping around the studio. But isn't 
repeatedly getting invested in a sport where you're never going to win anything of consequence joyless in its own right? You, you have to find your own joy. Well, you, you guys remember my tweet from the night of the national championship game. What's and, that? Or, or no, it was one of the the college, it was during the semifinals. I was I think I was sitting in Athens, Georgia, watching this, and my my tweet was, if you're a fan of any of other than about ten or twelve programs, and that may be generous. Mm-hmm. I hope you love college football for reasons other than the possibility of winning a national championship. And I think the majority of fans do. You know, same same with baseball. I mean, if you're not a fan of the Red Sox, the Yankees, I mean, who was the last time you know somebody outside? Well, the Astros won it two years ago. And the Astros are an outlier, though. And they, they you know, they they made the Cleveland become, Indians went to the World Series. They went to the World Series. Chicago the Cubs won the World Series, but they spent a ton of money. White Sox, Phillies. Oh five, we're going Miami back. Marlins. Long way now. How's that a long the, way though? But like baseball, the Marlins won and then immediately broke up the team because they couldn't afford it anymore. Look, I, I can be two. on board with where you were headed. I just I don't like the I don't think the baseball the Marlins have existed works. since ninety four and won two World Series and immediately afterwards had to break up their teams because they couldn't afford to keep them. Chose you to. still won it. Didn't have to. Oh, they had to. Oh, no, I had a billionaire because, owner because he didn't want to spend money. He didn't want he to. Not he couldn't. He wouldn't have. I guess I, 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 I if you want to go there, that's fine. Regardless. In, in most sports, the NFL is a little different. But like in the NBA right now, how many real contenders for the championship are there? Three? Yeah. You know, the, well, in the Warriors' defense, though, they drafted into that. They did, but then the, the, the nail was getting Durant. You know? but, but there is a system in place in all three major sports, and frankly in international soccer, a little bit different, yeah. but there's a system in the, place that – that doesn't prevent you from being able to compete at the same level as everybody then why else. Don't, then why don't those teams do it? Because, they just, because some people care more about running a business than winning a championship. Well, then why are there teams? Why do those teams have fans? Well, I can't control where you grow up, I'm and what saying, team you pull for. Yeah, being but, a no, fan, but, but, being but a fan's not going to be rational. I understand that, but I, but I'm telling you, it's it's different in college athletics. 63% of NBA teams franchises have won a title. 63% yeah. of the current 32 teams? Yes, there's 30 teams, but yes. 30 t- okay, I mean, I believe you. I don't think you're lying to me, but that seems, I mean, I mean when, I right when was here. the last time, you know, other than Cleveland, Cleveland's the outlier right now. But, I mean, the Lakers have 16 and the Celtics have 17 of the 30, oh, there's 33 titles between two teams right there. I mean, sure, but I'm just telling you, I mean, Bulls, Rockets. I mean, I would, I'd like to see that Spurs, in, in the modern era. Heat. Heat. Yeah. we got more coming up. Sports Magic talk. went to one. Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Hey, Dan says he has a point to make. The floor is yours, friend. Well, just real quick, we got a text here on the uh, the text line from the 205. And it says about fact Alabama's budget was big until they made the commitment to get Saban, and from there it exploded. And this is a good point. Let's not forget 10 years ago, or I guess not 10 years ago, but like 15 years ago, Alabama was just a, a good SEC team. Clemson wasn't what they are right now. Georgia wasn't what they were right now. These schools have chosen to make that commitment to, to winning. And any school can do that. They just got to find the resources. Now, that's a t- not it's true. tough. It's not tough. True. Not any true school, can do, any school can do it. Not true. They have to get the money, but they, that's, that's, that's the problem. It's not everybody has the money. But I don't. I, let's not act like... I've said this many times. When Saban leaves Alabama, they will come back to the pack, uh, unless they hire Dabo. But when they hire, if they hire Dabo, 
Clemson will come back to the pack. Georgia has been in the middle of the pack for years. They've hired what appears to be an elite coach, and now they're going to take off. When Kirby Smart leaves, they will come back to the pack. They're not in the middle of the pack when they're winning 10 games a year, though. Mark Rick won 10 games a year on average. Yeah, I, I, I thought Mark Rick was always underrated at Georgia. But they were not a year-in, year-out national no, championship. Hold on a second. Georgia was middle of the pack when Ray Goff was the head coach, when Jim Donnan was the head coach. Georgia was not middle of the pack when Mark well, Rick. That's fine, but they were not a year-in, year-out national title contender. Philip Fulmer, when he left Tennessee, Tennessee fell in the middle of the pack. Yeah, well, they were falling you know, when he was still there. I mean, it just it's, it's it's and you're always a good head coach away from from being exactly. competitive. But no matter what Ole Miss and Mississippi State do, no matter what, they can spend every dime that the school takes in or can exhaust on football and football only, mm-hmm. and they will never be on the same not in, not on a year in year out basis no. as Ohio State, Alabama, et cetera. Not year in and year out. You can have a year where you get you luck up. I mean, you look at 2014 for Mississippi State and. You know, they were five points away from beating Alabama. If they beat Alabama, the Egg Bowl doesn't matter. It, it hurts to lose, but it doesn't matter. You've clinched the West. You're going to the playoff, assuming you beat Missouri, which I think State would have done. Mm-hmm. You, know, you look at uh, the, the t- two years before that, or two year, the year after that, I'm sorry, with Ole Miss. I mean, outside of one of the most ridiculous plays in college history, that you know, they would have gone to the, uh, to the SEC championship game. So they, can, they can't do it year after year, but you can have a year where you jump up. I've always said for state that the baseline in a five-year period should be three years of seven to nine wins, one year of you get to ten, maybe eleven if if things go really well, and then you might have a year where you jump back to six or even five, just depending on what happens. That's 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 the case. That's the best case scenario for Mississippi State. That's the best case scenario for Ole Miss, I think. And it, I think that most college football fans are okay with that. Um, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. You can text the show if you would like, as a bunch of you have. Um, if Clemson can do it, most schools can. State has just started making a commitment to their football program. Things don't get built in five years. Takes time. Continue to build, and five, seven, ten years from now, who knows what you have. That's fair, but Clemson is a very unique yeah. situation. They, they were that. as much of a sleeping giant in college football as there ever was. Yeah. Clemson was in that same boat with Georgia, with Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Geographically, they're in a great location. Atlanta's an hour and a half away. Charlotte's oh, two hours away. In that, in that group, UCLA is a team that should have the resources and, and everything they need to be a year-in, year-out contender. They just haven't been. We'll about, see if Chip Kelly can get them there. How about this text? If you want to compare college football to pro football, you would have to give the Super Bowl-winning team the number one draft pick every year. Yeah. That's why when people try to tell me college sports are better than pro sports, I just can't. I can't even process that. I mean, so, I've made this point before. That's why the Cleveland Browns have a good roster now because they were losing for yeah, so many years. That's what you talked about Houston a few minutes ago, winning a World Series. It's because they were so bad for so long, they drafted really well, and they were able to get prospects that turned into players. You know, if if you've spent any time around women, especially high school girls into young college women, but it really doesn't stop there. You know, there's a phenomenon that exist among women. They go to the restroom together. You ever notice that? Somebody gets up to go to the restroom. I can't wait to see where we're going Somebody gets up to go to the restroom. Everybody goes to the restroom. 
Oh, we just all need to go. Yeah, go chit-chat, whatever. I don't know what they do. It doesn't matter. Text message. Text message. Ceasefire text line. In the near future, there's going to be an institution that's going to tell the NCAA to go jump, and that's going to change everything. And the answer to that is, nope, not unless a bunch of other girls get up and go to the restroom with them. Yeah. You cannot jump by yourself and shoot the bird to the NCAA and think even that you're going to change anything. Even Alabama couldn't do By that. golly, you better jump, and you better have nine other girls with you going to the restroom. Because there's power in numbers. It doesn't have to be 40 of you. If it's the right six, maybe that's enough. But the idea that you, Alabama, or you, Notre Dame, or Michigan, or Ohio State, or Southern Cal, whatever, can jump on their own and can tell the NCAA, hey, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Hey, we'll stick it where the sun doesn't shine. Good luck to you out there by yourself. But in a group scenario, it's a little bit different. Here we go, just after 5 o'clock on this Wednesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online, supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. It's all brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank. Tell you more about them coming up in just a little bit. Right now, though, we will jump to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team to uh, deliver uh, visit with perhaps the second most famous deuce associated with the New Orleans Saints. Deuce Wyndham from The Athletic, New Orleans. Deuce, what's up, man? Thanks for some of your time. Hey, happy that you're having me, and um, doing pretty well. Looking forward to this Sunday's game. Hey, that, that's not a slight to call you the second most recognizable deuce with the Saints, is it? No, not at all. <laughs> that, there's this uh, this other guy. Um, so let's not kind of dive right in. I, I, I'm really interested in a story that you wrote at the Athletic New Orleans. It kind of breaks down uh, the game plan against the Eagles this past week. Some of the things that that Sean Payton and the offense did differently. Let's kind of start with, with big picture stuff with regard to Sean Payton. How good of a play caller he is. He has the reputation for kind of being an offensive mastermind. What is it that makes him different than some of the other guys in the NFL? You know, one thing I, I like to get across to a lot of people who ask me what makes you know Payton different than any other guy or some of a bunch of groups of guys across the league. And, you know, when you look at it from a play calling standpoint, a lot of these teams all run similar plays. I mean, this. New Orleans runs four verticals. I can show you another dozen teams in the NFL who run four vertical passing concepts. But it's all about tendencies and knowing when to deploy those uh, packages and those players and when not to. A good example uh, with this past Eagles game is the key Kirkwood touchdowns. I mean, the look as that play is happening, and the Eagles would have studied this, is what you call a shield screen that they run to Michael Thomas. They had done several times this year, and early in the season it was a touchdown against the Cleveland Browns. This time they changed the look up and go to Keith Kirkwood. And that's what really makes Peyton special, his knowledge of tendencies, understanding what his own team does, and calling good situational football. That's what makes him such an excellent play caller. So, so Deuce, is the situational football, those, those play calls that you call excellent, is that 
based on numbers and analytics and tendencies, or is there some, and, and you'll forgive me if this is rewinding a little bit, is there still some feel to it in, in having a feel for the way the game's going, the way things are working, and knowing the right time to call a play based on what it feels like as opposed to just what the numbers say? It's definitely how the game itself is going. You know, with the analytics craze is certainly going full force right now. And in a, in some ways, the NFL is a little bit behind other leagues like baseball and basketball, where that's taken off. You know, quite a few years before it has here in the NFL. But there's still just a, a feel during the game and momentum during the game that you really have to have an understanding of and and be able to just kind of dip your finger in that pool and feel where the you know, the temperature is on what type of plays and how to run it. And, you know, going against Sean McVay coming in, he's the same way. So, I mean, this entire season they had run the ball 5% of the time out of shotgun. Dallas Cowboys expected that. Well, what's the first thing that the Rams do in their round matchup? They start running the ball out of shotgun, catch the Cowboys unaware, and C.J. Anderson's getting 12, 15-yard gains. And uh, that's the kind of understanding you have to have. Yes, there's some numbers, too, but it's also, hey, we see them lined up in, say, nickel packages. We know we can take advantage of that with this personnel, and that's why we call those plays. You definitely have to have an understanding during the game. You can't just, you know, go pull the numbers every time. You've only got about 40 seconds between plays, so you definitely have to have that Deuce Windham on your radio writes for TheAthletic.com, specializes in kind of breaking down videos and and looking at uh, some of uh, the more intricate parts of the game that maybe the casual fan misses and really some good content, especially if you're a New Orleans fan that's kind of a football junkie, wants to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, Great way to to consume some of that. Um, How much does personnel affect... Sean Payton's ability to call the game the way he wants to call it. And I guess I'm specifically talking about you know, health at the wide receiver position throughout the course of the year. They've obviously been banged up. You get Ginn back uh, this past week. and uh, Does that change anything in the ability to, to call plays? It definitely did. There's a coach that I work with pretty closely, and me and him exchange film, and we talk about the Saints a lot. And one thing we've been saying for several months now is the Saints are missing Ted Ginn. You definitely want a healthy old line. You want your running backs present because you miss any of the first four games. But not having Ginn really took away that consistent threat at the third layer of the defense. And don't get me wrong, this team really likes Traquan Smith. They, they like his potential future. But even Coach Payton said just a couple weeks ago, he hasn't been consistent filling in that flanker role behind Ted Ginn when he went out. And since Ginn's return, we've really seen the field open up. It's no coincidence that Michael Thomas's numbers have once again gone up because teams can't simply take away the intermediate part of the field and just sit on Thomas. They have to respect every layer now. And that's been real big, you know. And you can look at that 20 to you know, 14 game and say, hey, the Saints still aren't scoring. But you, you go play by play, it's obvious how much of a difference Ginn is providing. And, you know, uh, there's a reason that this game here at home and then the Steelers game, it's finally we're starting to see those Saints score in the 20s, into the 30s again. And a lot of that's been because of the return of Ted Ginn. Deuce, you, uh, you rewind to the first meeting between these two teams in the Dome. 45-35, Saints win it over the Rams. They both were one-loss teams at the time. Drew Brees had four... Uh, touchdowns in that game. How much carryover is from the way that game played out to what we're going to see on on Sunday? Because I feel like both of these teams have, have kind of evolved in the second half of the season. 
There's never been adjustments on uh, both sides. I would think, you know, especially for the Saints offensively, getting in back, which they did not have, is pretty big. Defensively for the Rams, the keep to lead was a big piece that they were missing. And, you know, Marcus Peters has not had the year that you expected going in with that Wade Phillips defense coming from Kansas City. You know, he's probably more of a zone guy now, now having to play more man. Doesn't look too comfortable yet. Hasn't had the greatest year. But I do think that both have improved on a couple of areas. We, we saw the Saints get out to 35 points in that first half, and it's hard to think of them having better weapons since then. But like I said, the addition of Ginn has been huge. You finally get the O-line healthy. And, you know, even in that game where Aaron Donald had about eight pressures, depending on, the, you know, which analytic site you use, he still didn't have any sacks. So, you know, you still have a lot of the key pieces are there. A lot of the fundamentals of how these teams both play are there. It just becomes that chess match we always talk about between offensive and defensive coordinators. And Allen has done a superb job for about two and a half months now shutting down teams in the second half. In fact, you, you go back, you take and just put the starters in. Don't take the subs in Week 17. But this team is not allowing points to be scored in the fourth quarter at all. They're, they're blanking teams out and have been doing it consistently for a couple months. And, you know, that's going to be something to see and watch if they're able to do that against this Rams offense that's predicated mm-hmm. on Gurley running the ball and play action to win over the top with their receivers. Have you dived into the Rams yet and, and kind of looked at that running game? I mean, I've heard people use the term thunder and lightning. It, it looked a little bit different last week in the in the running game uh, for them than, than what we've expected with just this huge dose of Todd Gurley. You know, uh, there's a few things that made that happen, and a lot of it was the talent that they have on the team, but it was also the scouting and preparation that the Rams did to get ready for that game. We wrote a couple of articles about it on The Athletic. You know, uh, they were sending their director of playing personnel to scout out these teams, make sure they knew the offensive line has come out for the Rams and basically said that they knew a lot of the defenses, uh, defensive line play calls. So you go and watch. Not only did they understand their own tendencies and how to counteract them, they knew what Dallas was doing on a lot of their plays just from film study and finding tendencies, you know. And tendencies can be something simple. I mean, you look at a left tackle, maybe he puts a lot of weight on his heel when it's a pass or he's all the way on his toes when it's a run. Hmm. And you can see that when you're watching them and on tape and everything. And they did their homework. And New Orleans is going to have to be careful. They're going to have to do a lot of self-scouting. Sean Payton mentioned that today to the media in his conference here. But they have to self-scout and find out if there's something that they can give away that they have to make sure they either hide or change to prevent what happened to the Cowboys happening to them. Deuce Windham is a contributor. A contributor. He's an analyst for The Athletic, uh, The Athletic New Orleans, covering the Saints. His focus is on in-depth film analysis and film study. Deuce, I, I've said this to, to some other guys that work with The Athletic. visited with Hugh Kellenberger yesterday, who's the college basketball uh, editor. I think I may be your guy's biggest cheerleader. I mean, every time I get it, I say to people, if you're not paying for this, I don't know why. Just, It's really, really good stuff, really unique uh, with the way you're approaching it, and uh, and keep up the good work, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, and thanks for, uh, thanks again for having me on the show. Absolutely. That's Deuce Windham from the Athletic New Orleans. You can follow him on Twitter at Rev, as in the Reverend, Deuce Windham. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, MSLandBank.com, where they know the lay of the land. 
So it's pretty simple. If you're thinking about buying a piece of land, or if you're thinking about putting something on a piece of land that you already own, own it's going to cost money that you don't have or that you choose not to spend. Like you're going to finance something? Go to Mississippi Land Bank. If you're in North Mississippi, they've been doing it for 100 years. They're fantastic people. They understand kind of the marketplace. they got a bunch of tools that they can help you with. You won't regret it. Mississippi Land Bank, you can find a branch location near you in North Mississippi online at mslandbank.com. You can also grab a phone number, give them a call, talk to them about what exactly it is that you need. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. What would you pay for tickets for uh, Saints Rams? Are we assuming that I have the money to do this? I would pay $400. for a ticket. Yeah. Let's see here. See what $400 will get you. I think that's probably not much. Yeah, I think you're I It'll think get you in the door. Upper deck. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. That's where I'm sitting then. Um, uh, I'm going to move this a little. Let's see what am I looking? I'm a uh seat geek. I'll set it at $402 and filter the tickets that way. So yeah, there are a bunch a uh, bunch of upper deck tickets. Few tickets in the five hundred level. Yeah, that's not bad. A uh, couple of well, that's not bad. There you go, one twenty-seven. So that's lower level end zone. You can uh, now it's a solo ticket. You can't go with anybody. Right, this is my ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not bad. Um, Three hundred seventy-five bucks to uh, to get one ticket. Um, you you want a pair? It gets a little more expensive. Yeah. It gets a little bit more expensive. Um, be a pretty fun environment. It's going to be pretty fun on Sunday in New Orleans. Sadly, I will be watching from the comforts of a bar somewhere in town. Oh, yeah? Where would you feel comfortable? Uh, well, okay, let me ask this. If you had a ticket on the second row from the top, in the corner of the Superdome. Would you rather be in that seat at that game watching the game in person or at a bar or at your house watching it on a big screen? Since I'm out of town and I don't get to go down there and see them, I would go and go to the game. Yeah. But if, if I was like a season ticket holder or something, I'd just go watch on TV. You sell those. Yeah. Yeah. Sell those and, and buy a nicer TV. There you go. What you rip? I'd probably just watch on TV. Yeah, I would go to this one. This is the NFC Championship game. I would go. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I mean, it, you guys get it also. Yeah, but I've turned into a seat snob. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't. Know. I mean, I just admit that. I, I, and it's not that. I'm mad at you if I don't have good seats. I'm just not going if I don't have good seats. Is it when you say good seats? Do they have to be like a club level? You got to be able to have that kind of, of no, 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 no. You got to at least be lower in the you yeah. know, between the between the goal lines. I'm not going to a Broadway show and not sitting in the orchestra. Okay, I'm 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 not sitting in the upper deck. I'm not going to an NFL football game. I don't think mm-hmm. and sitting in the upper deck. I'm not going to an NBA game. Somebody gives me tickets. I suppose that's different, right? But if you're paying, but if I'm paying for them, I would rather pay more 
for good seats or just not go. Um, clearly, that's not the way everybody feels, though, because if that was how everybody feels, nobody would be at a game in an upper deck. Right. That, that number's dropping, though. It is dropping. It is because, you know, you spend so much, you spend as much on that television as you would on one ticket. And you don't have to pay for parking. And you don't have to, you know, if the kids hey, go to the bathroom. What did you tell us earlier? You, you, online, you found a 55 inch TV for how much? 330. I'd have already bought that, Porky. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure they'll send you the link. It would, it would be shipping. And if, if you need it, no, I'm no, sure no, Porky I'm will I'm send good, you the link. I'm good. I'm good. Um, all right. Good conversation with Deuce Wyndham from the, uh, from the Athletic. You uh, you want to be part of the conversation? You can six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Right now, it's time for the college football fix. College football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough. They get the F one fifty at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Forty two consecutive years is the best selling truck in America. Hadn't been in one. Hadn't ridden in one? Hadn't driven one? You should give it a shot today or tomorrow or this weekend. Go test drive one. I tend to think that you will fall in love. Someone has left the portal. Nope. If you well, leave, he completed the portal. If you leave the portal, if you exit the portal, is there any scenario where you can return to the portal? Yes, but it's hard. Yeah. It's extremely difficult to return to the point. Jalen Hurts is going to Boomer Sooner. Boomer. Okay. It's headed to OU. Oh, you were ready. You were... I was expecting Boomer Sooner to happen. Yeah. Uh, announced his decision on Wednesday via a story on the Players Tribune. I, I think that deal got brokered. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it. Uh, probably the same way they all do, I mean, <laughs> if we're being honest. Now, I mean, why, why, if you're Jalen Hurts, why would you not want to go to Oklahoma? They've produced the last no, two. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. No, no, no. You're being way too big picture. What are you talking about then? I'm talking about how did Jalen Hurts write a story for the Players' oh. Tribune and oh. release it there? How did that deal get brokered? Somebody. Mr. Jeter yeah, some, and company. Somebody made the call. Like, you want to do this? And he said yes. For, I'm sure, just the publicity? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then pull your head out of the sand. I'm just saying. There's been some college guys to do some stuff for the Players' Tribune before, I believe. Haven't yeah, there? I'm sure. Pretty high-level guys, right? Yeah. When somebody from there reaches out, it'd really be good if you... Yeah, I mean, at, at, there, there might you know, we might be overly cynical here. There might just Jalen Hurts might be like, yeah, that would be cool to have been yeah, on the same I, thing. I'm with. sure Jalen Hurts was sitting around going, you know what? I got to figure out how it is I'm going to tell everybody that uh, where I'm going to go. I mean, would you rather? I just love been, been an Instagram note. I love the Players Tribune. Man, I sit around and I read that all the time. I'm going to write a piece called To My Alabama Family, where I announce that I'm going to the University of Oklahoma to pay. Come on. You're so angry. I'm not angry. Yeah, kind of angry. I'm not even entirely sure that it's cynical. I think it might be just real. Well, Maybe I'm allowing myself to be real. Do you think he actually wrote the story? 
Oh, that, that, that might be the better question. And my guess is yes. I mean, he's a college graduate. He, he could sit down and write. A, 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 I don't, so I, is I didn't Rippy. Read. Have you read his work? No, but I, I read other people's work that sounds just like it. Uh, was that was that a shot or a compliment? He took a shot at Rippy. I yeah. took a shot at somebody else. Uh, Got to keep your head on a swivel around here. I mean, <laughs> today, man, when we're all together, you never know what's going to happen. I'm going to say he wrote it because there we have. I've decided to take my talents there too. You there you go. So, a phrase that did not exist in the English language until LeBron James sat down with Jim Gray is now used almost as commonly as "It is what it is." I'm taking my talents too. Dot dot dot. We just got a. Uh, a I just got a, a tweet, and he tweeted at you as well from Kyle Brazil. Hey, uh, Kyle, who said that Morgan William wrote a uh, column for the Players Tribune after her shot against UConn a couple years ago. Uh, look, I'm I'm sure that the Players Tribune reaches out, and some of these college athletes go, "Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Who are you? Oh, we're owned by Derek Jeter. Oh, okay. I think uh, I think what, most what people can know who the Players you? Tribune is. The Durant thing made them huge. So. What Durant thing? The the my next chapter. Yeah, Durant he, wrote his goodbye to Go- to Oklahoma City, hello Golden State to, on the Players Tribune. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen those memes after? Yeah. Anytime somebody big wins, is Durant with the T shirt with the logo? He's got a Clemson, probably got a Clemson yeah. Tiger logo right now. My next move. If you surveyed 100 sports fans and said, "Where do you go for your sports news?" How many of them would list the Players Tribune in the top ten? Not many. Zero. But they get, Zero out of a thousand. They get retweeted by people, but and then you, you catch them. That's not really its role, though, right? Yeah. Just what is gi- the role? Just to give the players a platform. Like, there's, like players have told some really cool and personal stories about themselves from their own vantage yeah. point via the players. I, you don't think I, Sports not... Illustrated wouldn't have published those? Yeah. Oh, let's I, talk about that. How about Jalen Hurts is going to Oklahoma? That's a big news. We got time. Yeah. I, by the way, I'm not anti-Players Tribune at all. I think it's a neat concept. I would think you'd be all for it because because of Jeets, your boy. Yeah, no, again, I, I'm not anti-Players Tribune. I, I'm fine with it. I just think it's interesting that all of a sudden Jalen Hurts has a really big announcement to make, and that's the platform he goes to. All right, but to the point, the news when we come back. Interesting choice. There are people that ask for, for panic and string cheese incident and fish and all that stuff, so I appease them from time to time. Oh, I don't dislike it. I'm still waiting on the all the music I sent you. When are we going to do that? I've got to just load it. Loading music is tedious. Yeah. And you should teach Hey Dad and let him help. I, I would be more than happy to help you. You got a few hours? Not today. Because it's a few hours to teach you and well, then a few hours to... I doubt very seriously no, it's a few it, hours to teach me. No, but to do a full days of songs new mm-hmm. would take a couple hours. Okay. Probably. I'm willing to help. You got to be here. I'll come down here. All right. We'll go to lunch and everything. I, I will come up here one Sunday because I still want to do the Miss, Mississippi music thing. I've got the whole playlist saved, and I, I'm currently making a Spotify playlist from all your suggestions. See, if we had, made, pl- if we had okay. made plans, okay. all right, all right. we had made plans, we Qu- could have done this on Sunday and watched the Saints together. But we didn't make those plans. Quinn is requesting Choppa style. I'll put that in there for sure. That's before we got before for Friday, it'll be yes, in there. Yes, yes. Hey, do you got to do the black and gold of the Super Bowl? That was uh, an interesting lady at lunch today. LSU pants, 
She just heard the word LSU and she was like, huh? Huh? LSU? <laughs> What'd you say? LSU? We were discussing our our future you know, trips where we're going to be heading and I was talking about MSU's baseball schedule. I said, well, can they play Florida at home? They have LSU at home. And her ears perked up when she heard LSU. Yeah. Like, it was like she was shot out of a cannon. LSU? She you like LSU? Wild LSU pants and she go, starts she starts into her LSU. She's like, who that? Who that? Black and gold to the super. Yeah. I mean, it was it's, like it was all out. The ch- yeah. Anyway. Um. So, Jalen Hurts announces that he's going to Oklahoma. The platform which he used to announce it is of no consequence. He's going from crimson and white to crimson and white. Crimson and cream is what they. they yeah, have. that's what they say. Yeah. But you know, whatever. White family. Well, one's winter white. Yeah. <laughs> um. Th- th- is this a good fit? Yes, I think so. I'm not as so. sure. He's not near the passer that his two predecessors were. I was about were. to say, it'll be a significant drop, drop off in quarterback play than they've been I, used to. I, I have years. just always been a mark for Jalen Hurts. I don't know why, but the guy is a winner. And I don't care if he's at Alabama. Alabama's had losers in the past. and Not in the recent past. Not in the recent past. They won but, in spite of him, though. But I, I don't. He put up numbers. He's not you – know, people make him out like he is just the worst quarterback in America sometimes. He's a good quarterback going into a good system against in a conference where nobody plays defense and working with possibly the best offensive coach in the country. I think he's, I think he's set up for success. I don't know if he'll win a Heisman Trophy like the last few guys have, but I think he'll have a good season and he'll lead them to another Big 12 title and, and they'll, play, they'll be in playoff contention. I would say the odds are against um... – a third consecutive Oklahoma quarterback. Yeah. The odds were against two. Winning a Heisman. Um, I don't think they win a third consecutive Big 12 title. Texas? I think Texas is Texas back. back. Texas is They're back. back. Texas back. Hook them and whatnot. I, I got to tweet somebody. You go ahead, though. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's fine. I think if Jalen Hurts wins the job, he'll put up good numbers. He'll throw for more, assuming he stays healthy, he will throw for more yards than he's thrown for at any point in his career. He will continue to run it effectively. Yeah, he, he's always, I think because of the way he runs, and I don't know if it's because of his build mm-hmm. or his stride, it, he's just always looked like he's gliding. Yeah. He would, it, be, he would think, be a fant- and I think in the NFL, he will be a fantastic running back if he ever did that. Yeah. I just wonder if that ship sailed too. You know, I look at Kyler Murray from a runner, and he he he's fast and he's quick, but he did not run smooth. No, it looked very jitterbuggy. Yeah, he, he's more elusive. Jalen Hurts is a run around you and run by you and then glide down the field. So a little bit different looking style there. I don't think he throws for as many yards as either of the last two guys. I don't think he runs for as many yards as Kyler Murray ran for. I don't remember what Baker Mayfield ran for. Um, But it'll be fine, right? I mean, I'd go win 11 games. They'll be fine. Yeah. We're overthinking this. There's a, a way look ahead at the 2019 schedule, but they go to UCLA in week three. They'll beat UCLA by three touchdowns. But that's fun and curious. Baker Mayfield only rushed for 311 yards as a senior. That's got Tim Brando's name written all over it, doesn't it? Yes. Oklahoma at UCLA yeah. Week 3. Yeah. FS1? Something like that, yeah. That's not like a – what else is going on that week? I'll find out. I, I pulled up Oklahoma's schedule oh, okay. on their I website. Thought, I thought you had the uh, the national schedule. I'm sorry. Um, 
Does this work, Rippy, or no? I, mean, I guess I guess what your definition of work is matters. Yeah, if it, are they going? I don't think they're going to be with, strictly with him playing quarterback. I don't think they're going to be as good as the last two years, but it still may work. So it was thought that Jalen Hurts might be going to Miami to rejoin his former offensive coordinator Dan Enos and join up with Manny Diaz. He um, he uh, decided not to. Decided to go to Oklahoma, so that opened up a spot at Miami. And so, Tathan Martell is... <laughs> Tate Martell, the guy who talked big about Justin Fields. Don't, don't make the same mistake twice, Justin Fields. Don't you come here to Columbus. And he's sitting there saying, oh, please don't come to Columbus. Oh, please don't come to Columbus. And Ooh. he does, and Martell leaves. So he's going to Miami. Good fit? Well, we won't see I mean, until, this is like the perfect place for Tate Martell, we, we, right? We won't see until next year because he will. He is. I can't imagine a scenario where he is eligible this year. He's, he just left. Oh, just oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What if he didn't feel safe in the environment at Ohio State? They're going to have to prove that, but I mean, come on. What come if he on. was misled? Well, you, you, look, look, the sourness. It's just, I can I can taste it over here. It's well, not well, sourness. No, why, it's why is it sour? It's precedent. I'm just, how, how is he going to feel, say that he was misled? Ohio, he was, he was told Ohio that, State's not under any kind of NCAA investigation. No, but but if he to, was told that, look, this was my, if this we was my the, opportunity if to If we get the into that, then, buddy, the transfer portal is going to have 5,000 players in it next year. It already I, is getting that way. I don't think he'll be eligible next year. You've got, a, I don't think you've got an attorney. Make, you, you don't think that Tate Martell will be and a, all the drama... That he has put up for guys never really played. Mark me down. Mark it down. I don't think Tate Martell will play in 2019. Mark it down. Brian Haydad says Tom Mars can't get it done. Mark it down. Right. I mean, is there any question that Tate Martell is going to seek the services of he Thomas might. Mars? I, I, I don't. Absolutely, s- he's going. I don't to. see the path for him though. Just for me. Well, if he doesn't seek Tom Mars, Tom Mars will seek he him. He can't seek him out. Hey, did y'all see this real quick on Twitter? I hate to, to drop breaking news, but Tosh Lupoy, Alabama's defense coordinator, interviewed with the Browns today, and it looks like he might be headed to Cleveland. That entire staff is going to be turned over again, almost. You know, That's some, turned into a big old Roll Tide staff in Cleveland, hasn't it? Well, I mean, why not? They put a lot of guys in the pros. They might as well just they take, the, take the next step with them. Hmm. So what that 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 will be a that'll be a big domino. What? Alabama's, Tosh Lupoi leaving? Yeah. That's, nah. You don't think? Nah. Pete Golding will become just, a full time defensive coordinator. Just go ahead and move him up. Yeah. You don't think they'd go after like somebody like Aranda? Throw big money, bigger money at him. Two point mm-hmm. seven five, three million. If we pay three million dollars for a coordinator, we need to pay the players full stop. I mean, we're already so three million is your. We've already got. It's already ridiculous. Straight coaches are making two point five. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that that extra half mil is where we got to go. Yeah, no, I don't think that Nick Saban would throw three million dollars at Dave Aranda. Um, I think it was pretty clear in Ole Miss's um, courting of Pete Golding. Yeah, that he, he knew he was the next Nick, guy. Nick Saban saw some value in keeping him, okay, and in making sure that he understood it was important for him to stay, okay. Um, 
That really is it. I mean, because what we're two years removed from Tosh Lupoy getting a great big old raise yeah. and you know being well, kind of named the heir apparent. What he was the heir apparent to Pruitt, and then now Pruitt left. So last year was was Lupoy's year. Is it? Is this his first year? Or, Look, it, does all of this does does this have the ability to derail the train? I think Saban's the locomotive. So as long I, as no, he's, I understand that. I mean. It, it's it, it it I think it hurt them a little bit this year at times. I, I know that's hard to believe considering what they did all season long, but at the end, I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying that Clemson outcoached Alabama that day. They they were better prepared. So it doesn't help when the school you lost to is projecting themselves as the fun place to work and be. Yeah. Well, and you got the uh, who who was the co-offensive coordinator for Bama? Yeah. Sarkeesian. No, no, no. Last year. That Edith? also just left. It's going to Michigan. Oh, Gaddis. Josh Gaddis. And Gaddis comes out. It's going, eh, I just came out of a red rear chewing for, you know, saying I was thinking about leaving or whatever. And then he gets the call from Harbaugh and he's like, that's the biggest relief ever to get to leave this place. Wow. Yeah. I didn't see that. Wow. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.